Today is August 19th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chestakomaki or Dekots Nagotine Siku. My name is Red Thunderwoman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitape, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bugani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee, Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. It, um, right now we're getting ready for pride here in Calgary and it's important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian colonizing outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves, acknowledging their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't pronounce your local Indigenous nations' names, uh, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen land reconciliation, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and the lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those that call themselves Native Calgarians, or whatever town you're from, show me that you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. And if you want, you can go to Jesse Winty's book on Reconciled, chapters 13 and pages 180 to 181 to explain it perfectly. And you can also go to my last podcast with Jesse Winty talking about Unreconciled. Uh, my Dene lineage roots me in the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island. And my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, born in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ2 community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of imposed trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration and denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial violence, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue to do reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I can't say have a great you know, pride knowing that uh, my 2S community is dying from the current drug policies, systems of imposed Christian-based drug um, policies, abstinence programming, private health care, and justice system built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs. 
which continue genocide on Indigenous people. You know, I, I've been really encouraging folks to read up about Frank Young, about uh, former Liberal candidate, Chief of Staff of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, Don DeMont Walker and her son, Vinny Jansen, because this is an, a great example of the continued violence that we still face as Indigenous people and how we do not get protection from our own governments and our own policing systems. So I bring them up because I, I think of them and numerous other Indigenous people that continue to die in this genocide and I want to honour their lives every single day and I hope that my listeners understand their uh, importance of stopping harm as a citizen and seeing their role in reconciliation. I honour the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satyudene, which I messed up totally yesterday as well in person. Um, so I'm just going to continue to learn how to say my name in Satyudene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Denny uh, elders, language keepers, as I try to learn proper pronunciation of this whole podcast. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be of me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my journey as I walk down the red road. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide, yet I get free book clubs, back podcasts, and info on my social media for years, and have, have as have many others, and at this point, it is just willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I want to give a shout out to Leah for letting us know about uh, Brad being on my um, podcast and it got cut off. You were the reason why we re reposted it and it all is out there now. So thank you. Um, so just simple things like that really help us, folks. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast. And if you go on my social media, you will see the latest ones pinned as well. So today I have a good well, a returning guest. Hi, Tavisa. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself for folks who maybe don't know sure. you? Thank you so much for um, acknowledging the land. Uh, for us today, I always think about how um, privileged I am to have access to the to the life that I have based on the treaty that has been signed, Treaty Number Seven. And I I recognize that I have big responsibilities to be a good treaty person, to be a you know a to contribute to this community in a way and honoring the stolen Indigenous lands that we're on that I get to promptly be a benefit to. Um, a little bit about me. So Akira Tapisakilabuk Inuvanga. My name is Tapisakilabuk and I'm Inuk. I'm a Nunavut land claims uh, beneficiary. I'm going to shut my window because there is a very big garbage truck outside of it. So I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> there we go. Oh my gosh, it was so loud. Um, and a little bit more about like how I'm connected to my community. So my mommy is Enoch 
and he's from Ikaliwi Nunavut, and my dad is Haluma Nan Inuit from Nova Scotia. He is a settler descendant, and his family has come from Ireland, um, a little bit of Scotland, uh, uh, a little bit of um, around Germany area. I can't remember um, exactly where, but in that general area is where um, my my non-Inuit family is from. I am very, very proud to be Inuk, and I've been um, reclaiming my identity as a um, as an Inuk woman and the responsibility that comes with that. Um, I wasn't always proud, like you were say, saying, like surviving genocide. I definitely did that, or and continuing to do that. But now I do that. Do it as a proud Inuk woman. Um, my mom is a like I said, her name is Jeannie, and she, her parents are Holly and Mata, and they are known under the um, government of Canada as E7655 and E734. And my Ananasiak, um, Martha, her dad, um, and my Ananasiak, my great Ananasiak, Pitsilala, my Sayunik, her number is E732. And my Adadasiak is E731. And that is how I have ties to my, my land and my community while I live here in Treaty 7. It's so hard to be referred to as numbers, isn't it? I, mm -hmm. I, it breaks my heart. And I've seen the, um, they, they called it, and I'm sorry to use this word, Eskimo dog tags. And I just yeah. get so angry when I think about how everybody in Canada is like, we're so nice. And uh, the last couple of days have just been relentless on Twitter about, you know, showing how Nazis were nice, Canadians are nice. <laughs> Look at the parallels. <laughs> oh God. Relentless because I, I'm just like, Canadians are like they they're so blind and it's like, so it is so easy to see how Hitler got away with what he did because everybody was just so nice other than mm -hmm. killing people that we don't consider people because they have a classification in front of the people and that mm -hmm. like i can't I, I tell people like if it was a black act if it was a jew act you don't lose your freaking mind but the indian mm -hmm. act is cool it's cool not cool and yeah i've been um talking a lot about like in history a lot lately and how and people are so um surprised when it um, when I show them like CBC archives and or like from um, printed documents like the that Beaver, which is now Canada's history, where it's just like it's a a large documentation of how they settler colonized Inuit, and people automatically assume like Inuit were colonized at uh, the same time as like the Southern nations were, and people are in disbelief when I show them videos from sixty uh 66 years ago of a like a a a canada canadian government official talking about you know now the inuit are they work like we do they eat the food that we do and they're very very grateful for it and it's you know it's a big part of history of canada's history but it's always it's not it's always shown in a way that dishonors Inuit and I think that's what 
we want to talk a little bit about today oh gosh yes um one thing that I want, I have, I don't know if I've had an enough on here since um, the Edmonton Eskimo um, name change. And, mm. um, you know, so I'm Satu Dene. So up in Yellowknife, you know, we get lots of Inuit, we get obviously Dene and Metis, and we're all like one happy family, kind of like the Cree up north in Edmonton. But, mm. um, you know, <sighs> colonization's done such a number that like people who were Satu Dene were like speaking for Inuit and they were using like the one colonized uh, Satu Dene that was like, yes, we love the word Eskimo for the longest mm -hmm. time. And uh, mm -hmm. I was calling them out then. So do you remember uh, Kelly Frazier? She yeah. was a beautiful uh, young pop singer, uh, Anuk, and uh, she took her, well, my understanding was that she was bullied and then she, was like I'm done <laughs> and, and that yeah. and she's gone so and that's mm. not funny but I don't know how to talk about it um and um she anyway one of the last things she ever posted on her twitter was please change the name of Edmonton Eskimos and I like showed that over and over like how does anyone sleep at night knowing that this young woman who had felt enough pressure from this world to be like I'm done took her life. Mm -hmm. This was one of the last things she asked for. And you mofos won't do it. Um, I had a conversation with a fellow named Brad. He talks about racism in uh, sports and in mascotting. So, um, you know, I just, I try to honor her every time I think about the racism of using that term. And I hate it. And I just, you know, it, it's like, this was so easy to do. And nobody would do it. And, and, and honestly, I just still didn't like the way they did it because they never properly honored the, the Anuk, uh, well, an Anuk or the Inuit or like just acknowledge the racism at all. And yeah, they didn't. Yeah, it sucks. Like I just, it, it's just a part of Canadian culture to be like, what racism? And, <laughs> and so anyway, the whole reason why I had you come on today was because so I'm supposed to be like a co-chair talking about Sisters in Spirit. And um, this is going to be a really hard episode for a lot of folks to listen to because we're talking about our missing and murdered in, uh, enough woman. And um, mm. this is a hard conversation for a lot of folks because what you don't understand as urban Indigenous people is that we're not here by choice. We're not like I'm not in Calgary because I wanted to be here. I was born here um, and I was born here because through Indian residential schools and schooling and all of this stuff, I, my mom had me here. And that's the story of a lot of urban indigenous uh, across this country. So I'm here and I'm witnessing violence and I see the violence and I see the injustices and I wanna do something. So I joined a Sisters in Spirit Committee. And then I end up with the Calgary Police Service Indigenous Advisory Circle. And I'm, I don't, I like doing those things because it feels like I'm trying to do something in my incredibly limited capacity to advocate for Treaty 7 to be the people they're negotiating with as well. And, you know, to do that work. But at the end of the day, we have really awful things that happen here and we have to deal with it, even though we're disconnected from our culture in so many ways. So, mm -hmm. um, I got reached, so I have a friend up in, um, who's a nook, and he reached out to me to say, hey, this is my cousin. And I tried to reach out to the crowd group police through my, my connections, 
And then at a certain point, I kind of got ghosted. And mm -hmm. I was happy to find out that you were working with the family in a different way. And um, a, kind of being um, evasive here, would you like to kind of talk about uh, who we're talking about and what brought you into this conversation? So you, I didn't know prior to you letting me know that there, like, that there's this Inuk woman uh, that was staying in Calgary named Tara. Um, Nip, Nip San Asiak, I think is how you would pronounce the name in Inukutu. And so she, you know, landed here on the streets of Calgary and she tragically died and was found in a garbage can. And then because of what, um, you know, um, the top businesses and organizations are saying that it was her identity was ill-documented. And then she was buried in a cemetery out um, in the new cemetery here in Calgary and her name, like her placemaker with her name on it was spelled wrong. And I, <clears throat> Seeing that you had like told me and everything that has happened, I tried reaching out to um, Tara's family, saying like I, I'm here, I'm here in Calgary, I'm you know, I have you know some connections, and I'm able to help this person, like help this family bring Tara home, because that's all they wanted. That they wanted to bring Tara home, and you know, there's a a lot bureaucracy that happens that it costs a lot of money for someone to be uh, dug up out of the ground that hasn't been like um, after they're buried. Apparently, there was a it's a big process and it costs a lot of money and there's a lot of bureaucracy behind it. And so Tara's family was trying to raise some money. I had put it on Instagram. I shared it on my like it's still in my link tree, like um, on my Instagram at Tap the Killabug, where there are some donations there. Um, I GoFundMe to donate to bring Tara home. I learned the other day that Tara is now on her way home. And it just like makes me so sad that she had to like experience like this discrimination even in her death. And it was just like such a process for her family to be able to to have her come, like, to have her go home. And, um, you know, it was very, after, like, I, I reached out to the family and the family didn't ever email me back, unfortunately, and, but it seems as if they figured it out. But then it's like, there's Tara, but then there's like the bigger issue there, you know, like people, like indigenous women, Inuk, Métis, First Nations, you know, there's discrimination even when they're dead, man. And that is like so unbelievably not okay. It's like we can never escape this. We can't, we can't escape it. No. And it's like, I remember my mom told me about this story of when I was born. I have my mom's last name, Kilabuk, and I had that last name because the doctors did not believe that my dad was my dad. So from the moment that I was born, there was discrimination. And I'm really happy now that I have my mom's last name. 
and it worked out well for me, I guess, in the end. But honestly, and just imagine if I became a, you know, a, a an undocumented person. And then what? And then no one would know no. where to find me, you know? Like, it's just like, it's, it's, I just can't believe, I can't believe the processes that happen and continue to happen, um, even in, in our death. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, so we're seeing this with the unmarked graves, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, so I'm part of a party and <clears throat> we were like, hey, what about this policy about excavating all of the graves and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is why we talk about indigenous led work because there's a lot of families that don't know who these bodies are, one. And two, um, just because we do know who some of them are doesn't mean we want them ex excavated. So mm -hmm. like, we're, we're really struggling here. Like here in Calgary, we have Jack uh, White Goose flying and like they literally legitimately like lifted him out of his grave and put him in the cemetery because they wanted to develop and create like you know that whole business area that's right at Heritage Drive there and 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 Deerfoot so they knew who he was at that time the late uh, James Depsey he was the one he's so he's a indigenous archaeologist that just passed he's the reason why we have signal hill numbers that honor the world war 1 and 2 like this man is a is freaking legend in my opinion but you know mm. as usual canadians are like ah oh, just another indian but he's, he's mm -hmm. a freaking rock star and um he was the reason why we have uh jack relocated uh did the right work you know worked with the with the right tribes and and did that work properly in the with the family's agreement we have to do that tens of thousands of times now and canadians are like what's the problem and then you and I are talking about Tara, who's like died here, and we can't get her properly honored to get back home without raising tens of thousands of dollars. And they purposely don't do that because they know, you know, they've already imposed economic oppression on us. And now they want mm -hmm. us to spend all of our money that, you know, would normally go to food on this. And like, mm -hmm. this is the reality in Canada, but Canadians are so nice. <laughs> so you know and i i'm just so like we have the inquiry we have these calls to justice and we still have the you know different orders of government whether it's the calgary police city whether it's the province or whether it's the federal going well i don't want to pay for it you pay for it this is like mm -hmm. jordan's principle only in death yes and this exactly. is like right now, today, after I'm done this, I got to go straight to Siksika to pay an elder because, you know, this CA and this CA and this party didn't want to pay an elder. And now a month later, an elder didn't get paid because they didn't have the protocols. Even after we have the elder protocol handbook out there for years, they still don't know to pay an elder right on the spot. Yeah, like <clears throat> it is 2022, man. Oh, what are we doing that we can't get Tara and Tara's family connected to the right people so that she can go home and it not cost everybody tens of thousands of dollars and worse, the people who can't afford it. Exactly. And like, you know, in the North, things cost so much more than it does here. And, you know, personally, it, like there's high poverty rates in um, Nunavut, there's a um, food insecurity is very, very high. You know, there isn't um, 
there isn't room for extras and like some Inuit families do I don't speak for all of them but it's just like when it comes to creating an you know reconciliation and in, in what we call Canada like who and why like why are they limiting it to such small actions you know and you were you and I you just said like you know it's such an easy thing to do, but they make it t- 10 times harder for it to be done and cost 10 times more than it should. Yeah. And it's just, I think that that is one of the most frustrating things um, in this lifetime. And I'm sure you can agree that like some of the things that we are trying to do collectively as a community, we are trying to change things. We're trying to create a community that we want to be a part of, that reflects us, that resonates within us. And when it comes to the dominant society not, you know, listening to us, not taking action, and not creating like easy solution opportunities for reconcil- reconciliation to happen based on capitalism, which is an even bigger issue. But it's like, why is there so, why is it so convoluted? Why does it have to continue being this way, even though we have talked about it so many times? And even like with the Nunavut Lands Claim Agreement and our beneficiary, there is some opportunity for Inuit to be able to um, access some funds for for family members um, to to go and claim um, other family members that may have died uh, outside of their community, but it doesn't really include disinterment, you know, and like disinterning is like when you have to take someone out of the ground. And so like, there's just like, it's, 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 the details are limited and it's not cool. And even right now with, um, in Edmonton, it's happening at the TB hospitals where tuberculosis hospitals that Inuit were forced to go to, you know, forced out of their communities where they had to come to different sanatoriums across um, Southern Canada, one being in Edmonton. And the the record keeping for those, those like members of my community, the larger Inuit community where they're, they, there isn't any it's it's very very little and they just like you know and I read and like I've watched videos about family members who talk about like how they waited for their family members to come home and they never did and they and then they don't know what happened to them and that's that miscommunication that you know irresponsibility I guess is like the um how I like nicely say it the irresponsibility of our systems creating that harm and then continue to perpetuate that harm with people like Tara. Yeah. Like it's just so, there's just so much more historical significance than people realize. It's not just like Tara being in the ground and not being able to go home, but we're like perpetuating and doing the same thing over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I'm, (laughs) I'm triggered. I'm yeah. triggered by it because yeah. it's just like, like why, like please, just fucking stop doing it. Just stop. Yeah. And yeah. it's just not going to happen. I know. 
Oh, by the way, I'm having a sacred fire at uh, six on Saturday. You're welcome to come. Um, it, we're, we're actually doing it for a different reason. So it's, it is quite triggering. <laughs> so um, the whole purpose of mm -hmm. our sacred fire is to let go of some of the pain. And uh, this week there was an incident at Sorry. the, what's that? My kid, it wants me. Why, well, honey, I'm in a meeting. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Mom life. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Yeah. Mine's still sleeping upstairs. Otherwise, I'd be there too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. My, my, my kids never sleep in. But yeah. you're saying they will. Sacred fire. They will. I yeah. promise you. When they hit like about 13, they will. <laughs> Oh, it would be so nice. Yep. I've been up since six o'clock this morning <laughs> with these guys. <clears throat> oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, sacred fire, that incident at the library, um, you know, trigger warning. It's uh, about suicide. And uh, yeah, a friend witnessed it. So, you know, we're going to have a, a sacred fire at six. But, you know, it's talking about suicide. It's talking about um, letting that go. And it's more centered for that person. So, like, I know, unfortunately, we have a few folks at the library who were there. So, if you want to come, mm. you but um, and I just bring it up because if you want to come to a sacred fire and let go of any of that stuff as well with Tara, like, you're more than welcome to come, or we can do a separate one another day. Because, <sighs> mm -hmm. like, how else do we cope? Yeah, and yesterday I was even thinking, like, I need to. Like I need to get into, um, like do some ceremony soon because I've been, you know, I do very well in my healing journey. I, you know, I cope very well. I've, I've learned all of the things that I needed to do. So I, um, you know, live in wellness as much as I can, but I realized like I was storing, like I continue to store things inside of me and I haven't had opportunity to let it, like let it go. Yeah. And even this morning when I was brushing in my, like brushing my teeth, just like thinking about things, I was just like, breathe in my nose and I'm breathing in joy, you know? And then I, I like breathe out and I let go of the, the hard things, just joy in, bad things out. And I just think I need that times like 1 million at this point, because I haven't had the opportunity to do that lately. Yeah, I think we got to do it because it's just, it's so so needed so kind of forced myself when we um came back to from lethbridge with our tail behind her but be like okay full, full moon ceremony every every month now and so mm -hmm. we've been doing that but i've just opened it up to anybody because as you know as urban indigenous we we don't have access to things and we're like barely surviving and so it's like if i can open up my backyard to anyone indigenous to try to you know let go some of this awful racism mm. the daily racism i actually talked to a, a black professor down south who coined the term um, racial battle fatigue and uh, mm. I, it's such a, a powerful way to explain what we go through daily and uh, but at mm. the same time it is fatiguing it is exhausting mm. that's why you know black people indigenous people were all like god we're exhausted because we have to deal with mm -hmm. this shit every day mm -hmm. and white people don't point blank no. they mm -hmm. don't so you know this is the type of uh you know issues that we have in the country and and so i've actually cut cbc out of my life and i've been um 
like better because of it. Like it's definitely helped me a lot. But the other day I had it on, it was just a stupid Alberta at noon. Everybody's calling, talking about how much they love moving to Alberta. And I'm like, this is modern day colonialism. And you mm-hmm. don't even see it. You know, Mm-mm. you don't even see that this is like, yeah, no, it's so much cheaper here. And it's like, yeah, because it's an exploited, stolen land that you are choosing to come to. You know, like it mm-hmm. that doesn't seem weird to you. Like it doesn't seem weird for me to go over to Britain and be like, yeah, I'm just not gonna pay attention to your laws, your legal structure, nothing. I'm just gonna just gonna walk into this home, kick you out by force, kill you if you mm-hmm. if you protest. And I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stay here and I'm not really gonna, you know, follow your laws and I'll just throw you all in jail if you think you know you're gonna have any rights over me. And yeah, that, that's the way it's gonna be from now on. And then I'm gonna tell all my friends about this place. Come on over. Like they don't see it. it you know that oh. TikTok trend where it's like, you see me? I see you. You see me? I see you. <laughs> I see you (laughs) and I and I think that is like a big part of like the like the larger issue here in in Canada and in Alberta like people don't take the time to recognize you know or like reflect on even that like what they benefit from and I like I I own like my husband and I own this house. So we bought this home. We have this land. And then I'm just like, oh my God, I bought stolen indigenous land. And then I hear things like um I think it was Leroy Little Bear who was just and I, I read about it and it's just like, you know, we wouldn't ever sign a treaty. We wouldn't sell or give away land to anyone because it like we don't take ownership of it and if anyone owns it it's the like the next generation of of children like we just wouldn't compromise you know things like that and not enough like not enough people take time to think about that and I don't know if you've seen this um this video that I think it was a New Zealand indigenous man uh, oh no, he was Hawaiian, sorry. So he was Hawaiian from Hawaii. And he was talking about decolonization and what it meant to him. And it just like, it really resonated with me and I've been trying to like hold on to it. Like when it, and I know like decolonization is such a weird term. And sometimes I like, like I don't think it's an action. Um, and like that some of my own like personal um reference it's not an action but it's like a way of thinking in a weird way for me personally I think decolonization is a personal journey and is definitely different and should be different for non-indigenous peoples and they have to really think about that but like he was just saying like decolonization we don't really want to take things away from people we just want people to think more outside of the dominant structures that they that has been imposed on them you know and see things in a different light in a different way and you know that's what I'm like as an educator and a facilitator that's what I'm trying to like bring into these conversations with folks because like think like outside of the fucking colonial box man because it's (laughs) 
I feel like such a, um, like, I don't know, like a 60s, like, acid head, just like, think outside of the box, man. But like, seriously, like, you just have to think outside of it. And okay, but Jesse Wente kind of talked about it. Like, yeah. Jesse Wente talked about, um, no matter how He's much we are colonized yeah. by the dominant society, I had a mofo actually say to me, Michelle, in our society, when we mourn, we give flowers. Like I wasn't fucking born and raised here. So anyway, like they don't understand that no matter mm. what we do, we will always have an indigenous lens. And he talked mm. about narrative sovereignty. Um, and that really gave me permission as an indigenous woman. Cause I, I remember talking to, um, you know, a, a police officer I really respect, she's retired now. And I said, well, like, how do you even talk about things that you know your living family would dispute because they are colonized? And and um, she's just like, well, you just have to tell your truth. And that kind of gave me the power to just be who I am. But then mm -hmm. it was Jesse's book, like such a great book. I highly recommend it, by the way. Um, I have one. I have a copy if you want to borrow mine. Um, really great book. It, he just he really just lays out what indigenous so narrative sovereignty is and how we see the world with a different lens, no matter how colonized we are, no matter how much we were raised in this white world, right? So mm. I don't know, it's just really helped free me even more to just talk about the ridiculous racism that we experience every day. And I just remember, uh, I, I talked about Oka being one of those first examples where every eye is on you in school. Like, mm. I'm Satu Dene, what do I have to do with the Mohawk and, and Oka? But I just remember yeah. the hate. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I get, I mean, I get that hate every day. I'm sure you do too. People look at you and, and, and don't see you. This is what happens. Like, if I dress white and I walk around like Stampede, people give you eye contact, a smile, even a nod, maybe even conversation. The moment I have the audacity to show off my tattoos, to wear beaded earrings or anything, it's the instant eye contact, look away. Like you're not there. Mm -hmm. Like the erasure mm -hmm. is that instant. That hate yeah. is that instant. And in some cases, if you're talking and you have the floor, people will look at you with that sneer that, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, and mm -hmm. I get it every day and people don't see it because they don't experience hate, racism and sexism like you and I do. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, it's, it's clear as day. And yet somehow you're such nice Canadians that just don't see it. <laughs> Motherfuckers. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Sorry, I keep swearing on here. You know what? It's like, okay. Because again, that's indigenous narrative sovereignty. I'm tired of us coding to placate somebody else when we are surviving mm -hmm. genocide. Mm -hmm. You and I are the survivors of genocide. We are in a post-apocalyptic world. And mm -hmm. why is it we are expected to be so goddamn nice? Why? Because mm -hmm. you want to know why? Because we're a fucking trope in their eyes. You know, if mm -hmm. I'm not putting the spirit of the caribou in you, then <laughs> you're not a nice native. Oh, God. <laughs> the, yeah, no, thank you. I think that, yes, whenever I leave my house, and I don't think uh, a lot of people realize this is either. Like every time I get in my car, I struggle with what 
happens if I get pulled over by the police today? What is going to happen to me? And then uh, uh, earlier this, I think it was a couple of months ago, I got pulled over by the police because my plates had expired and I didn't know. And I was so stricken with fear. It was like, it makes me cry just even thinking about it. Like, I was just like, okay, I have to think about all of the safe things that I need to do right now to make sure that I don't get physically harmed by this police officer. So I don't get um, verbally harmed by this police officer. So I like, I took my keys out, I put it on the dash, and then I, I had my wallet and stuff up there as well. And then I put my hands down. And I was just like, he can see everything. He can see all of my things. I am not going to get hurt today. You know, and those are some of the things that I have to like, talk, like consistently think about. And I remember, and I like, it pisses me off every, like, every time I think about it. But when I go into, uh, I went into chapters and this was with my, my youngest, Ezra. This was like a year ago or so. And this like person wouldn't stop following me around. And I was just like, fuck man, like do like, I look like a criminal to you. And even like, even me saying that, I think that's not, it's not fair because, you know, there's so much more narrative and understanding to why people um, do the things that they do. But like the stereotypes um, that, you know, are painted on me, I have to experience and not like, and I'm so over it. And when you're saying that racial battle fatigue, like I, I feel it. And that's like one of the biggest reasons why I can't like you continue doing advocacy. I can't like be in the forefront of the front lines trying to implement change because I can't handle the, I can't handle the harm anymore. Yeah. And even lateral that, violence is fucking yeah. shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, uh, I, I love my people. And I know they're coming from a place of trauma when they get laterally violent. And I love mm -hmm. them and I forgive them. And I pray and I pray and I pray that we kind of come together. And it sucks. But I, at the same time, obviously I have to have boundaries. And when mm -hmm. people are shitty to me consistently, unfortunately, you just got to cut them out. And it sucks. Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's not that I don't love them. It's not that I don't support them. But I mean, I get blocked by a lot of people too. I, I talk about really shitty stuff and triggering stuff. So I understand like even my own family don't want to be friends with me on Facebook because who wants to see what I talk about. Mm. Especially when you're- I like seeing, <laughs> I know. I, I love seeing what you have to talk about. And it's like, I just want to like end that. Like there comes, I don't even know if it's courage, I, like a place of courage I don't know but it's like it we provide you provide such insight and such a like a lens that we were talking about earlier a different lens to looking at things and I really really appreciate it it's not it's not it's not out there as often and I think it's an incredible way like how you advocate how you create community it I acknowledge that it creates safety for me and I, I want you to know that and I really want to like um acknowledge that like I'm community made and if it weren't for all of the things that you've done 
up until this moment, I wouldn't be who I really am right now because you provided safety for me. So thank you. Oh, I'm honored to walk this journey with you. And I, I just hope you know, like for me, it's that bigger picture that the only reason why I'm here is I know somehow my, my mom, my granny, all of my family somehow survived to this moment. And I, mm-hmm. went, it was not that long ago. Um, so Michael McLeod, he, uh, he talked about all of the different diseases that was in Indian residential school at the time my grandma was there. And I'm, I'm so pissed that like this COVID's kicked my ass so bad because I'm like, out of all of the things she survived, <laughs> this is stupid COVID that's kicking my ass. And I just, mm-hmm. I just think about her and I think about your ancestors who have gone through the same thing. And that's why that this first smudge when you acknowledge your ancestors is so important mm-hmm. because it's a, it's acknowledging somehow all of our ancestors like survived enough for us to be here at this moment to be able to mm-hmm. talk to each other in a post-apocalyptic genocide and somehow still trying to honor our brothers and our sisters and our cousins that we don't even know you know um Tara's cousin we have the most beautiful memory he came here to Calgary and we all went to Drumheller and he took uh, Samantha and I up in a helicopter um not him piloting it but like there was enough room for all of us and we all went up and saw a drum heller from the sky and I, mm. I think about things like because uh Patrick Duranger who passed away the late Patrick Duranger he used to talk mm. about how mm-hmm. his father and him had dinner up at the Calgary Tower and how that was so out of their their thing and I think about Tara's cousin and me going up and he was I guess on my show for five minutes too um expat he uh we all went up and seen drum heller from the sky and I thought who would have thought, uh, you know, Satu Dene and an Anuk would be in a helicopter looking over this territory in this way, right? So I try to mm-hmm. remember things like that and be grateful for things like that. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful I get to walk this journey with you and so many others who understand what yeah. we're trying to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, I have a lot of that survivor's guilt as well. And, um, if I like it, get to experience such really great things as a, a human being now, like from, yeah. and I like from living in poverty to, you know, being able to go on a, like a boat yeah. and like be on a boat, like in general and vacation, like with my family, like I didn't think I would ever have those opportunities ever in my life. And then I get to share them with my kids. And then just like this summer, like I was on the boat in sick and moose and you know, I was so unbelievably overwhelmed by the beauty and the joy that it was being offered to me. And that's, and that's like, that's how I get to see it. Like it's, it's offered to me now and I get to create, you know, beautiful connections with my family based on the land that has been stolen. And that makes me feel really weird in a lot of different ways. But I just like, I have to remember that, you know, I didn't create those, these systems. I do benefit from them and I'm going to continue um, acknowledging that. But it, I was also not supposed to be here either. So being able to enjoy the things that, you know, life has to offer, I am very, very grateful for. And I just like my, 
my ancestors, even my community, like my community members now, like you, you know, the like we are here. I am here because of that. Like, I really think I'm community made and I'm very grateful. Yeah. And I feel that way too. Like the best way I can honor the Blackfoot is by listening to what they said. And I don't know how many have told me, you know, Michelle, you just got to keep walking with that strength. And it's like, well, then I just keep walking. And um, mm. lots of different folks from different communities have come here and taught me different things. And, you know, I just, we have to create our own urban community in the best way we can. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just try to, I don't know, just try, just be there for each other. It's the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful you came on the podcast today. I'm really grateful you talked about everything we talked about. God, I could talk for hours with you. So well, <laughs> yeah. I'll put your link tree in the in the um, description of this podcast, and hopefully, folks can uh, continue to donate to you, to me, to Tara's um, family, and then that way, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know what the right answers are. All I know is I can have somebody to talk to about it. Thank God, and yeah, those folks can listen you. to two uh, Indigenous women in Calgary talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. southern i'm melting holy i was telling somebody <laughs> I'm like i'm not a plains indian i'm not doing sundance and ceremony without food and water for four days in this heat i'm like melted me too yesterday like and it's like making me grumpy now and i'm just like i wanted the heat but now i don't want it i'm done i'm i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny okay um so for folks who are listening oh we never even got a chance to talk about it we'll have to talk about it another time but uh both uh Tabitha, Tabitha and I have done uh some work with the reconciliation action group so if you are a non-native and you want to do work for reconciliation if you don't have a reconciliation committee in your church sports club business whatever create one if you're in Calgary, you can join the Reconciliation Action Group. Um, everything should be Indigenous-led, but God, educate yourself so you don't sound like an ignorant settler to us. Um, Indigenous <laughs> Book Club, uh, September is chapters four and five of the National Inquiry. We have Clarence Louie, who's coming on October 10th to talk about res rules. Uh, yeah, trigger warning for that one. He has no um, care about intersectionality or oppression dynamics at all so that it'll be uh it'll be a fun one <laughs> and uh standoff with bruce mciver december 12th so hope you can all join us and uh, i'm proud that this podcast has given solutions cultural safety training cultural first aid and all of them to create a safer space for indigenous people people of color those with disabilities and lgbtq2 plus to speak thank you uh cheryl ward Alicia Brand or Alicia Fridkin and Chelsea Branch of here to help.bc.ca of what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work, along with those cultural action tools, I've said many times, well, in all my podcasts. So support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. So go to racialequitytools.org and what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by Americans Friends Service Committee. Calling you out again, Calgary. It's been two episodes now. We had a, a guy who just smashed the window of a woman sitting in a stupid parking lot and y'all stood by and did absolutely nothing. 
if you see or experience racism, report it to actandracism.ca or 587-507-3838. And you can go to afsc.org from America's Friends Service Committee. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. So you're not that guy, holy. Indigenous have been talking about um, issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more, honor our words, honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, um, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they have zero business running. Should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Really great article that is out there is how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Literally, if you Google it, there's like multiple um, uh, articles about it now. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It's toll free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to hopeforwellness.ca where they have a little text option. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is a national toll-free 24-7 crisis call line uh, for non-Indigenous. There's always a distress center line in your area that's working, sometimes even a functioning 211. Or you can call 833-456-4566. Here's 60 Scoop, SSISA.ca here in Alberta. And if you, um, you know, reach out, we'll get you connected to an event that's coming up here in October. Uh, the following are two SLGBTQ2 plus crisis supports that are available uh, most areas across Canada. Go to lifevoice.ca. Thank you to the Trevor Project for providing these. Trans uh, Lifeline is 877-330-6366 and LGBTQ2 plus youth 866-844-7386. One sec, I have that, uh, someone here. We're also going through a drug poisoning uh, issue right now. So if you know somebody who's using substances, do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can use the National Overdose Response Service at 1-888-688-NORS for support or download the Brave or DORS app. Uh, we have hundreds of uh, drug poisonings every month and everybody's like, cool, because they're native. So it's okay and it's not okay. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. And this is why I started the podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, without leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. Many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but they sure want to tell us theirs by people who know nothing about us, colonialism, 
the constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it's unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping, and it has to stop. We have to like let people do the work. Um, internal, external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, BIPOC, and more. Thank you to my ancestors, to my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family uh, and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her, I'm a second generation. Thank you to my husband, Big Buffalo Rockman, for producing, for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, he's been a childhood friend, father of our child, and my support down my journey of the Red Road, witnessing decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, we are blessed to learn from you daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. And you can go to nativecalgarian.com if you want me to speak and teach your people. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin <laughs> once responded, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>